If growing your family is taking longer than expected, you may be considering fertility treatment to help you on your journey. In this episode, Dr. Ellie Hobeka, a board-certified reproductive endocrinology and fertility specialist at Fertility Centers of Illinois, will help explain how and why fertility medications are prescribed and what to expect when you take medication for this treatment. This is the Time to Talk Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Howell. Welcome, Dr. Hobeka. Thank you for having me again, Deborah. Lovely to have you back. So let's dive right in. What are the most common medications for women during fertility treatment, and do they differ based on what treatment you're getting? An easy way to group medications used in fertility treatment is to do so based on their purpose of use. There are medications used to stimulate the growth of follicles. Those can be oral pills, such as clomiphene citrate and aromatase inhibitors, or those can be injectables. And then there are medication used to induce ovulation. Those are typically called triggers, and we have two types, the HCG trigger and the Lupron trigger, and both come in an injectable form. And there are female hormones used to modify, simulate, or control a menstrual cycle. The two main hormones we're talking about are the estrogen and progesterone hormones, and also those come in oral, injectable, and vaginal forms as well. And how do you determine what medication patients should be taking? Medications that need to be taken will depend on what treatment we are administering, if it's, let's say, in vitro fertilization or intrauterine inseminations, the reason of infertility, and, of course, the patient's previous response to certain drugs. If that is favorable, you're more likely to prescribe the same medication. If not, then we consider changing agents. Got it. Now, do you use certain medications for specific diagnoses like PCOS or unexplained infertility? Yes, definitely. Most women with PCOS have irregular menses due to the absence of ovulation. So our first choice to induce ovulation is aromatase inhibitors, and the famous one is called letrozole. Whereas in other cases, such as in unexplained infertility, we have a preference to use clomiphene citrate, although we can also use both drugs. Okay. And are subcutaneous medications only used for IVF patients? Not necessarily. As we earlier mentioned, medication that induce growth of follicles can also come in injectable forms. And moreover, triggers that induce ovulation are widely used in insemination cycles. So to answer your question, subcutaneous medication can be used outside of an IVF cycle, but definitely at a much lower number of injections compared to IVF. Okay, I understand. Now, are there trainings on how to inject subcutaneous fertility medications? Of course. Patients have various resources. They can have a one-on-one teaching session with nurses in their clinic. They will be given links for video demonstrations on how to administer those injections, and they can also look up any questions they have on our website or on the manufacturer's website. All right, now let's talk about the typical medication protocol for an IVF cycle. In other words, what medication is needed at each stage of an IVF cycle, and how long does the cycle last? A step that may or may not precede an IVF cycle is the pretreatment phase. Most commonly used medication are birth control pills and or estrogen patches. Now, the first main step in an IVF process is the growth of follicles that is achieved by giving daily injections of different medications, averaging two to three injections per day for nine to 13 days. Then comes the ovulation trigger, which is a single injection, 
At this, po- at this point, the patient presents to the office where they undergo an egg retrieval procedure. Now, after that phase, in the setting of a fresh transfer, progesterone needs to be administered either intramuscularly, vaginally, or sometimes in both routes until a pregnancy test is performed. So overall, from the start of the injectables to grow follicles until the pregnancy test, an IVF with a fresh transfer will last four weeks. Four weeks, okay. Now, doctor, a lot of women wonder how fertility medications affect you physically and mentally, and what can be done to reduce any side effects? The side effects of fertility medications are mainly due to the hormonal shifts they induce. Those can be physical, such as headaches, nausea, abdominal tenderness, or mental, such as mood swings, irritability, and fatigue. Supportive treatment is the way to go to alleviate those symptoms most of the times. Fair enough. And can you tell us what ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome is, and are there ways to prevent it? In my IVF consultations, I tell patients that the enemy of good is better, and ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome represents this better. It is when we stimulate the growth of multiple follicles to the point that women get severely bloated and sick after the trigger shot. We can prevent ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome by having a moderate or a controlled growth of follicles by triggering with a Lupron trigger as opposed to an ECG trigger and freezing all embryos and avoiding transferring embryos in the same cycle. Other drugs can also be added to decrease the risk of ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome after the egg retrieval, such as injections of Ganerelix or Cetratide and oral tablets of Cabergoli. Well, that's good to know. Now, are there other potential dangers of fertility medications like increased risk of cancer or birth defects? This is unlikely. Many studies have looked at that, and there has been no correlation drawn in between fertility medication and increased risk of cancer or birth defects. Excellent. All right. Now, a big, big question is, do fertility medications increase your chances of having multiples? So, in the setting of inseminations, the use of drugs does play a role in having multiples. So, if we use injectable medication to grow follicles, then the chance of multiples is going to be higher than using oral pills. However, in IVF, the chance of multiples is mostly dependent on the number of embryos that is transferred back in the uterus and not necessarily on the use of medication themselves. Okay, now, Dr. Hobeka, what kind of monitoring is done for patients taking these medications? So the monitoring involves an ultrasound and blood work, and the frequency would depend on what treatment we're doing and how close patients are from ovulating. And some couples would definitely like to know, are there medications for men with infertility? Of course, and they are similar to the medication that are used for women. However, we use them at at different doses and for different indications. You've given us a really good overview of these medications. Can your OB prescribe fertility medications, or do you need to see a reproductive endocrinologist for that? OBs can prescribe fertility drugs depending on their level of comfort doing so. But what patients gain mostly by seeing a productive endocrinologist is the monitoring that they obtain to see the effects of those medications on their follicles and on their lining. And how do patients go about ordering medication? Can they go through their regular pharmacy? 
Some of it is present at a local pharmacy, yes, and some you'd have to order from a specialty pharmacy. Medication coverage may differ from policy to another, so I encourage patients to check with their insurances before ordering those meds. Yes. Now, speaking of insurances, what are the costs associated with medication, and are there resources to help with these costs? So uh, costs vary widely among fertility drugs, from a copay of a couple dollars for oral ovulation induction agents to thousands of dollars when we're talking about injectables used in IVF. There are some non-for-profit organizations that help with costs. However, unfortunately, the service is provided only for a select group of women, those who have cancer and other underlying medical conditions. Okay. Well, Dr. Hobeka, we can't thank you enough for being with us today and for letting us learn all about fertility medications. Thank you for having me. That was Dr. Ellie Hobeka, a board-certified reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist at Fertility Centers of Illinois. You can schedule an appointment to talk to a fertility specialist at 877-324-4483 or visit fcionline.com for more information. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more like it in our podcast library. And be sure to give us a like and a follow if you do. This has been the Time to Talk Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Howell. Have yourself a terrific day.